The Magic Book Club with Benson's for Beds. Hello, welcome along to the Magic Book Club podcast. My name's Tom Price. This is our very special edition of Magic Book Club Recommends, where we're going to be joined by members of the Magic family to hear all about what they are reading. Those books they can't live without... Uh, and novels they can't wait to dive into. We've all got a pile of books we've been dying to read. That's a thing we've all got, right, in our lives? And now, the chances are you're going to have a little bit of time to do just that. We're also going to be joined by some brilliant authors too. So pop the kettle on, sit back, and have a listen to some of the best reads for you right now. Hello, Magic Radio Book Club podcast. It is Miri Green here, by the way, uh, from Magic Chilled and Melee Magic. I'm every weekday on Magic Chilled uh, from 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm on Melee Magic at the weekends from 4. Basically, it's my job to help you press the reset button. Anyway, enough about me. I've been asked to come up with book recommendations for you. Um, So, a book I've just read... I'm armed with loads, okay? It looks like a library in here right now. Uh, A book I've just read. This is a bit of a wild card one. It's actually a cookbook. (laughs) Um, So there is a podcast called Table Manners with Jessie Ware, who is a singer, and her mum, Lenny Ware. They basically get... Uh, famous people, celebrities round for dinner and they have really funny chats and things. Anyway, the podcast is so successful that they ended up making a cookbook of all of the recipes they use. So I have flicked my way through it already. I've folded down all of the pages of things that I want to make. Uh, There's loads in there. There's sort of summer recipes. There's Jewish recipes as well because they're a Jewish, uh, what, Jewish-ish family they call themselves. Um, So I might have a go at making some matzo balls. But what I really like about it is because if you've ever listened to their podcast, they've got a really lovely mother-daughter relationship. And actually, it really translates into the writing of this book as well. Like there's little bits that go with each recipe about you know what what it means to their family to eat it and kind of photos and things from their past and holidays together anyway so that is table manners the cookbook uh, by Jessie Ware and Lenny Ware I don't know how much of it I'm going to end up making but it looks nice on the shelf and it's really nice to look through I mean I appreciate a lot of nice looking books which you'll you'll find out more about uh, in just a minute when I carry on through my other selections um, okay a book I'm currently reading also another uh podcast based book okay this isn't i mean this is the only other one that is podcast based which is kind of good because we're listening to a podcast anyway aren't you um it's called how to fail by elizabeth day now it's a very successful podcast uh, originally again this book was spawned from it um and what i really like about it is her honesty elizabeth day started the podcast because she wanted to get famous people to talk about the times they failed actually there's a lot to be learned from failing and this book's just it's a bit of a memoir actually it turns out uh it's a bit of a memoir about elizabeth day's life and how her failures helped her kind of come to this podcast idea and i'm enjoying it so far i'm not very far through it i'm at the bit where she's talking about going into her 20s and sort of that transition between academic lifestyle and then into the workplace elizabeth day how to fail everything i've ever learned from things going wrong um if you can't get round to the book definitely definitely try the podcast Now, the book I'm excited to read is one I got given to me for my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I can't wait to get stuck into it. Um, It's another, well, it's a biography, I think. 
I, I haven't read it yet, so I don't know. Um, but it's by Amanda Owen. Now, if you've never heard of Amanda Owen, let me fill you in. She is a shepherdess. She and her family live in the Yorkshire Dales. They are very isolated. Um, they farm sheep across the Yorkshire Dales and they've got beautiful, beautiful scenery all around them. And she has nine children. She has nine children. And basically the whole book is a story of her life, how she went from living in the city to becoming a shepherdess and what's that, what that has meant for her family. Um, although I think the book is slightly old because in this book it says she only has seven children. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. And the reason why I wanted it is because I've been obsessed watching the TV programme all about them. It's on Channel 5. It's called Our Yorkshire Farm. And uh, I've just loved watching it. Like, these children have such an amazing lifestyle. For me, it's just the kind... You know, you're sat in London thinking about getting out into the countryside. At least you can read a book like this and pretend. Pretend it's your lifestyle. So I've also been asked to chat about my top three books of all time. Now, I can't say what I want to say which is Harry Potter. And basically, I would try and pick three Harry Potter books because I do love Harry Potter. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that everybody knows that Harry Potter is pretty good. So I thought I'd go with some other ones for you instead. So I chose Thomas Hardy, anything by Thomas Hardy. And the reason why is because I'm from Dorset and he's from Dorset. And so he writes about a lot of familiar places. And what I love about Thomas Hardy is how descriptive he is. So whenever I read a Thomas Hardy book, I feel like I am there. Far From the Madding Crowd is a good one. Tess of the D'Urbervilles, pretty good, but very sad. Maybe don't try that at this point in time. But my very favourite Thomas Hardy book isn't actually a novel. It's a poetry book. Uh, for those who don't know much about him, he wrote novels, but he also wrote loads of poetry. And he was really talented at other things as well. He was a violin player as well. He worked in a churchyard for a time. Like, his history is fascinating. Um, anyway, so I've got this uh, selected poetry book from Thomas Hardy. And there are some poems in here uh, that are all about my hometown. And I've loved rifling through all of them. It's a very well-thumbed book, I might add. I've loved going through it and reading the poems and kind of trying to imagine my hometown back in that time. And this is one of my favourites. It's called Great Things. Sweet cider is a great thing. A great thing to me. Spinning down to Weymouth Town by Ridgeway thirstily. And maid and mistress summoning who tend the holstery. Oh, cider is a great thing. A great thing to me. And that's it. <laughs> I love it. All about cider. Okay, so my other two favourite books of all time sort of go together. Uh, one is by Dawn French and it's called Dear Fatty and the other one is by Jennifer Saunders and it's called Bonkers. Now, of course, we all know French and Saunders, the comedy duo, absolutely brilliant pair. Um, and what I love about these two books is that they sort of tell the same story but they're written in such different styles. It's fascinating to, to read them. Uh, Dawn French wrote Dear Fatty back in 2008 and it feels like when you read it, it's obvious that she spent loads of time on it, getting all the details correct, writing things really beautifully. And um, you can tell a lot of time was spent on it. It's just a gorgeous read. She paints lots of beautiful pictures of her life and growing up and then meeting Jennifer and, you know, things happening in their careers together. And it's just a really lovely sort of romanticised version of accounts. And then you get to Jennifer Saunders' book, Bonkers, which came out five years later, 2013. 
It's an autobiography as well. They both got pictures, which in my my book, haha, is a good thing. Um, and Jennifer Saunders' Bonkers is so wildly different in style. You know, her her thoughts go on tangents. It's like she's literally writing from brain through her arm onto the page and she ends up telling all these random stories and going off in all these different directions and it doesn't feel like she spent months on it it feels like she spent a week on it in fact she even admits in the book that she didn't spend as long as uh, Dawn French her partner did um so it's just a fantastic read and it's great li- reading them uh, back to back and i nearly said listen there that's because i've recently re-listened uh, to the audio version uh, of bonkers by jennifer saunders because it's got her reading it and i do think there's something really special about listening to jennifer saunders recounting her life with her own voice uh, on an audiobook it's just really special anyway they're both fantastic Okay, next question. Which book in history do I wish that I'd written? It's actually quite a recent one. It's The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. It's by Charlie Mackersie. I'm sure you will have seen it in shops and things. It's such a big hit at the moment. Uh, and it's not really a book with many words. It's a it's a book of pictures. It's a book of ink sketches uh, by this artist, Charlie Mackersie. And it's just beautiful. There's just gorgeous, gorgeous... Um, phrases in there and just uplifting quotes and things um alongside the most gorgeous sketches i've ever seen in my life so um i just wish i I had that talent uh to translate those sort of sorts of words and ideas onto page in such a creative way uh, and make a book that beautiful um so that is the one i wish that i'd written or drawn so to speak. Uh, If I could be a character in any book, who would it be? Now, this was a bit tricky to answer because I haven't actually read that much. I'm not a big reader. Um, If I read something, I have to be really focused on it and I either read it in like two days or I don't read it for weeks and months and months. Um, So I can be a fast reader if I'm really enjoying it and I'm really focused. So I don't have that many books in my head nothing really sprang to mind however i did listen on audiobook to michelle obama's autobiography becoming and she talks about her amazing life her upbringing uh, meeting barack and how you know being wife to the president put her in his shadow when really he used to be her intern at the law firm they both worked at and so actually i would like to say that if i could be a character in any book I wanted to choose someone historic and it's Michelle Obama. That's who, I, that's who I would choose to be. She's a historic character. She's, you know, she's real. Um, she supported this man through such an incredible period of his life. Um, and she's a mother and she cares. She really, really cares about people and things. She's done so much work for charity. If you read the book, you really get a picture of just how important she has been. And finally, if I could read one book for the rest of my life, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be Harry Potter. All seven of them, if I can, please. (laughs) Yes, Mary, of course you can have all seven of the Harry Potter books. And when you're finished, can I borrow them, please? I mean, I say that, Mary, of course I've got my own Harry Potter books. They stare at me from the shelves every day I walk past them and think, please... Please, I want to read you. Last week, we caught up with Michael Cashman. Of course, he started life as an actor. More recently, he's become a, a very prominent campaigner. Um, he's a very inspiring guy. Anyway, he had a whole basket of lovely novels and a reading list as long as your arm. I 
read recently the brilliant House of Impossible Beauties by Joseph Kassara, which is all about love and commitment and surviving the most amazing threats and challenges. Really uplifting. And I'm about to dig into Peter Aykroyd's Thames, uh, The Sacred River. Uh, I've been putting it off for a while. I've now got the time. And uh, it's really important because rivers are about life. And uh, actually, this river is just outside my window. Dig into the books, feed your spirit, and let's keep everything alive. Hello, I'm Jim Davis. I present a show on Sunday afternoons on Magic. And I also present Magic Soul Weekend Breakfast and Magic at the Musicals as well. Uh, So you'll find me all over the various Magic brands at one time or another. So let's start with a book that I've uh, recently finished. Um, This is a bit of a curveball, actually, uh, because I've just finished a book called The Gatekeeper by Russ Kane. Now, Russ Kane is uh, a name you may well know, in fact. He was the voice of the Flying Eye on Capital Radio's breakfast show with Chris Tarrant for many, many years. He's a broadcaster and journalist, and I'm well very glad to say that he's a friend as well. So he passed me a signed copy of his debut novel some months ago. And, uh, well, I dived right in, I have to say. It's uh, the intriguing story of Nick Gold, uh, a TV paranormal detective. Uh, who has to go about stopping the apocalypse, (laughs) basically. And he lives in Ballam in South London. And uh, Nick is, well, I don't know, I struggled to warm to Nick at first, but eventually his banter and wit won me over. Um, He sets about this incredible journey all over the world, trying to essentially take the fight, really, of good to evil. Um, I'm not going to go deep into the storyline, other than it's really just a fantasy battle between good and evil. Uh, And I certainly won't spoil the ending, but needless to say... It's um, it will gladden the heart, shall I say? I'll leave it at that. But it's certainly a fantasy battle uh, between good and evil. It's Russ's first effort as a Londoner um, through and through. Russ uses well, he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of London, so having spent so many years flying high above the capital in his little aeroplane reporting on traffic news and he uses that to excellent effect in the book Um, and he guides Nick Gold around some very familiar and perhaps some more unusual places on his travels so yeah thoroughly enjoyable as a first effort double thumbs up now listen don't judge me on this because uh, the book I'm just finishing at the moment is a bit of Dan Brown. And I love a Dan Brown moment. It's perfect for some downtime just to immerse yourself in a bit of escapism. And I realise there's always a bit of a hierarchy amongst readers, but I'm very happy hoovering up an airport paperback. I'll be the first to admit. Now, uh, the one I'm finishing just now is Origin. It's the fifth book in the Robert Langdon series. And I think like all of Dan Brown's books, there is, again, another fantastical sense of, I suppose, almost conspiracy theory to the uh, the trails and quests that Robert Langdon is sent on. But I, I, do you know what I enjoy about it? I enjoy the sense that Dan has always tried to root his stories in a way to somewhat sort of blur the lines a bit between f- fiction and fact. Um, and it always leaves you thinking, hmm, in many ways. I do enjoy his descriptions as well uh, in this book of Barcelona. Um, it's a city I know well, and I'm very familiar with the landmarks he uses, um, from La Pedrera to the Sagrada Familia. 
he spends a lot of time describing Gaudi's architecture in the book and, and does it very well, I think. You know, he's quite clever like that because I think Dan Brown likes to make a connection with his reader because he uses landmarks that many of them are likely to know themselves and, and share a connection with. So that's quite uh, quite special. He does the same in Angels and Demons, for example, as he's guiding you around Rome. Uh, in Origin, though, um, he deals with the creation of life and the ancient standoff between science and religion. And I think he creates a really dynamic environment to sort of generate answers to some of life's most important questions, like where did we come from and where are we going? Uh, I'll let you find out for yourself what he concludes. Now, the book I can't wait to start is Bill Bryson's latest effort, The Body. And ever since I first read any of Bill's work, um, I think my first was it was either Down Under or Notes from a Small. I think it was Notes from a Small Island, uh, which was Bill's travelogue of his journey through Britain. I've been a devoted fan. I just absolutely adore his writing. There aren't many authors who can make you not only laugh out loud but actually roar. I'm I'm the train loony with uh, my shoulders <laughs> going up and down and tears rolling down my cheeks trying to suppress a public guffaw. You know that's me in the corner of the carriage. Uh, anyway, the body, uh, it's next, uh, and I can't wait. Do you know, I've noticed there's a geographical theme, actually. Uh, uh, as I've been thinking and talking about this, I've never spotted that before in, in, uh, as a common thread to my favourite choice of reading. But I am a traveller at heart, I suppose. I was born in South Africa. Uh, we lived as a family in Thailand for some time. And since coming home to the UK, I've made my home in the well north, south, east and west of the country over the years. But... I did describe myself recently to a friend as uh, some somewhat like the littlest hobo. So travel is key. Um, so to my top three books of all time, and I think that theme crops up again, actually. Um, I've picked Khaled Hosseini's A Thousand Splendid Sons. Now, this was the follow up to the very famous Kite Runner. Um, both of which are wonderful books. Um, but never did I ever think I would ever become so embedded in the lives of the oppressed women of Afghanistan and their daily challenges. You know, the brutality of the struggles of these women is so delicately described. Uh, that'll stay with me forever. So Khaled Hosseini, A Thousand Splendid Sons. Uh, next, I think this is probably a bit of a stalwart, but I have to list Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, it's a book I could read over and over again, but the reason I'm saying it is because, not just because of the book, but it's because of my English teacher, Barry Williams, uh, who opened my eyes and my mind not just to literature but the world, really. And this was this was the key. This was the key that unlocked that gate. Uh, we read aloud in, in his lessons, and he guided us through this particular book, at school some days he would read though and that was brilliant because he was so fantastically animated with his dramatic characterizations of Atticus Finch in court or the desperately evil Robert Yule uh, my favorite though was when he voiced Tom Robinson as he described busting up the shiffer robe you know I was stood right next to Tom with the axe you know living in fear of my own life under that hideous racist oppression you know I learned so many lessons uh, from that book and from Barry about um, the love of literature, but also the brilliance and importance of performance. Uh, but most of all, of course, the value of all humanity. Uh, finally, and lastly, and arguably most importantly to me, I have to say Morris by E.M. Forster. Now that book changed my life, without a doubt. It helped me 
embrace who I really am. I recently saw the Olivier Award winning The Inheritance in London's West End, a play in two parts based loosely on the creation of the book and the trials and tribulations of its author. And well, if it had been published sooner, the book, then would gay rights have been decades ahead of where we are now? Maybe. Uh, I'm just thankful that I stumbled in late one night at the age of 18 to discover the Merchant Ivory film production of the original book on the uh, on, on the telly on Channel 4. And, and that led me to the book, which then opened my eyes and, of course, the door to the rest of my life. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, favourite uplifting book. What is my favourite uplifting book? Actually, do you know what? I've just reread Clive James's Unreliable Memoirs, and I reread it after The Great Man Died fairly recently. Um, his ability to tell a story is unmatched. I mean, as a raconteur and public speaker, he's he was quite special. But, you know, first and foremost to me as a writer, uh, easily my favourite there, trumping even Bill Bryson. I mean, I must admit it's a photo finish, but uh, Unreliable Memoirs as an autobiography is, is just a total joy because it's, first of all, again, geographically a trip to deepest, darkest outback Australia. And again, you know, that's a delightful window into an unfamiliar world. And I think all the best travelogues should be that. But as a, just a blooming good laugh, you know, you won't find better. Let me read you a passage, actually, where Clive here describes a local billy cart race. After school and at weekends, boys came from all over the district to race on Sunbeam Avenue. There would be 20 or 30 carts, two thirds of them with ball races. The noise was indescribable. It sounded like the Battle of Britain going on in somebody's bathroom. There would be about half an hour's racing before the police came. Residents often took the law into their own hands, hosing the grim-faced riders as they went shrieking by. Sunbeam Avenue ran parallel to Margaret Street, but it started higher and lasted longer. Carts racing down the footpath on the far side had a straight run of about a quarter of a mile, all the way to the park. Emitting shockwaves of sound, the ball race carts would attain such speeds that it was impossible for the rider to get off. All he could do was crash reasonably and gently when he got to the end. Carts racing down the footpath on the near side could only go half as far, although very nearly as fast, before being faced with a right-angle turn into Irene Street. Here, a pram-wheeled cart like mine could demonstrate its sole advantage – the traction of the rubber tyres made it possible to negotiate the corner in some style. The Irene Street corner was made doubly perilous by Mrs Braithwaite's poppies. Mrs Braithwaite inhabited the house on the corner. She was a known witch, whom we often persecuted after dark by throwing gravel on her roof. It was widely believed that she poisoned cats. Certainly she was a great ringer-up of the police. In retrospect, I can see that she could hardly be blamed for this, but her behaviour seemed at the time like irrational hatred of children. She was a renowned gardener. Her front yard was the cover of a seed catalogue, extending her empire. She had flower beds even on her two front strips, on the Sunbeam Avenue side and on the other Irene Street side, on both outside edges of the famous corner. The flower beds held the area's best collection of poppies. She'd been known to phone the police if even one of these was illicitly picked. At the time I'm talking about, Mrs Braithwaite's poppies were all in bloom. It was essential to make the turn without hurting a single hair of a poppy's head, 
Otherwise, the old lady would probably drop the telephone and come out shooting. Usually, when the poppies were in bloom, nobody dared make the turn. I did. Not out of courage, but because in my ponderous cart there was no real danger of going wrong. The daredevil leanings over and the dramatic skids were just the icing on the cake. I should have left it at that. <laughs> Absolutely adore Clive James. Uh, his autobiography actually extends to four volumes, so, you know, well worth delving into. He's written over 20 books, and if you if you don't know him as a writer, then away you go. Uh, he'll be sorely missed. So, quick speed round. If I could have written any book in history, what would it be? Uh, I think that's quite easy. It's got to be Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, right? I mean, to know you are directly responsible for millions of children all over the world embracing literature and to have created such a dynamic and exciting universe for young characters to explore and inhabit i mean wow wow plus of course you know it's done all right financially too um if i could be a character in any book who would i be uh, i think that, that's that's harder isn't it i think i'm not scientifically analytical enough to be like a robert langdon from dan brown's adventures i suppose as a journalist i would kind of love to have gone on the journey that william boot did in evelyn war's scoop Many decades ago now, of course, but what a brilliant description of the, the cutthroat world of journalism. There are still many elements of that today. Um, and if you could read only one book for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, could I, I mean, can I have the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, all volumes? No? Okay. Um, okay, <laughs> then I'll have the abridged version, if that's all right. Bill Bryson's A Short History of Nearly Everything. I guess that's the next best thing, isn't it? And I, and you can always see something new every time you read it, as well as have a blooming good laugh doing it. There we are, Jim Davis, always searching for knowledge, but a set of encyclopedias. That is a strong shout. Yes, you can definitely have those, Jim. Um, shall we hear from another wonderful author? We caught up with Adele Parks recently, who's got some excellent recommendations for you. I wanted to talk to you about a couple of books. Um, one that I've just read recently that really got to me and I want to tell everyone about and I want you all to read. And one that I'm extremely excited about reading next. So this book is called This Lovely City by Louise Hare. So it's set in the 1950s, just after the Blitz is over. Um, so it's kind of a time of promise. And I think that's a good thing to be thinking about right now. And it's about a guy who comes over as part of the Windrush generation. He's a postman through the day and a jazz musician at night. And my goodness, does Louise transport us. She takes us to all the jazz bars in Soho. And we're there in the 1950s. It's so atmospheric. The characters are fantastic. Um, the, the lead, he falls in love with the girl next door who doesn't want a love story right now. However, there is a big twist, something dreadful happens in the community and the community that was full of opportunity and open arms suddenly turns on the newcomers. And I just think there's, there's things that resonate and there's things that are interesting, but basically this book is a phenomenal debut. I think this is a really great talent we have here and it's all about love and hope and redemption and community and i think that's all the things we should be reading about right now so this lovely city louise Hare. my next recommendation or i you know thing i'm most excited about 
How to Belong by Sarah Franklin. So this is on my, um, well, actually, if I'm honest, I have started it and it's brilliant. So I'm like this much in. So you can all join me and we can chat about this one online together. So it's a deeply profound, profound and evocative novel about two women who find themselves living together unexpectedly. Now, you're probably living with people you did expect to right now, but still a bit challenging sometimes. So this is really exciting because once again, it's a book about what does it mean? Um, what does home mean to you? And I think that's something we're thinking about. So I'm um, sorry, I didn't give you the name of the author, Sarah Franklin, How to Belong. Very excited about this one too. Hello, this is Hannah Cox and I present two shows at the weekend on Magic at the Musicals. One of the last books I read was Me by Elton John. I am a massive Elton fan and grew up listening to his music. In fact, the first concert I ever went to was at the Hammersmith Odeon, as it was known then, in London in 1982 to see Elton. Now, this tour played so many hits of the likes of Crocodile Rock, Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting and Your Song. So not only was the music incredible, the costumes, as you can imagine, were unbelievable. I was also thrilled to see the film Rocket Man starring Taron Egerton and I couldn't wait to read the autobiography. Clearly, Elton had enormous success, but he also suffered with addiction and the dark side of fame. And the book tells the story of his life, his difficult upbringing and his incredible career. It is honest and painful at times, but also captures the good times and illustrates how funny Elton is and how caring. The book I'm currently reading is Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. This is her debut novel. I have also read and recommend her second novel, Normal People, but I read that first, so sort of the wrong way round. Not that it matters because both books are brilliant. Sally Rooney is the winner of the Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year and Conversations with Friends is set in Ireland, where Sally is from. It follows the lives of Francis, Bobby, Melissa and Nick and the complications as their lives become entwined. Both books are great. The book I'm keen to read next is Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantle. Her recent novel, The Mirror and the Light, has just been published, completing the trilogy about the life of Thomas Cromwell. So all three books are out, so I figured it's time now to start the first one and join in. The next books are ones that I have really loved and the first one is Lost Dog by Kate Spicer. Like me, the author had never had a dog before. I had cats, fish and a tortoise as pets. So when I got my Tibetan terrier four years ago, I became part of a whole new world as a dog owner. I made new friends, I did a lot more walking and I finally experienced and understood the amazing bond between dogs and humans. Lost Dog is a story about Kate Spicer literally losing her dog. It is a true story and it follows her desperate attempts to find him. Reading the book, you are willing her to give some good news. There are many ups and downs along the way and you are empathising and almost living with her situation. And as a result, you find it very hard to stop reading. Whether you own a dog or not, it is a great book. Another book I found very engaging is Mad Girl by Bryony Gordon. She's a hugely successful journalist and best-selling author and the book speaks out about her lifelong struggle with depression and OCD. The book is honest, 
unpredictable and heart-wrenching, but it's also very funny and life-affirming due to the way she writes and the stories that she shares. You wouldn't really expect a book that is about such difficult subjects to be uplifting, but it is. It is frank, brave and an inspiration. The third book that I love also deals with mental health. This time the author is writer Bella Mackey. For much of her life, she's dealt with severe anxiety, depression and panic attacks. And her book is called Jog On. Because one day she decided to put on her trainers and go for a jog. And having done close to zero exercise throughout her whole life, this was a big deal. But she gradually found that running could help lift her mood, distract her from distressing thoughts, create some mental calm and improve her quality of life. Bella is extremely honest about her experiences of mental health and offers advice and research into the benefits of exercise and its effect on improving mental health. Here is an extract from the book. This is when she'd been running for just a few weeks. After I'd managed to run for about five minutes straight, I felt a bit lost. What now? For direction, I downloaded a Couch to 5K program. You can find lots of these kinds of apps online, including one created by the NHS. This program gets you to run for a bit, walk for a bit, and builds up the running paths until you can do it for 30 minutes straight, about 5K. If you're looking to start running and feel like it's all an uphill battle, I'd give it a go. It's brilliantly simple and you can stay on the early levels as long as you want before proceeding to the next. You find yourself getting better at running even as you tell yourself that you can't go on another step. The direction and order meant that even as I was covering new ground, I wasn't overwhelmed by fear or panic. I knew it would be one more minute ahead, one mile home. Nothing dramatic, just carefully planned distance. I put my faith in that programme and by using it, I got to the holy 5k mark in six weeks. The day I finished it, it felt as though I was flying. Not in a spiritual way, it just initially felt like running for that long was about as possible as growing wings. I'd taught myself a new thing and the satisfaction was immense. Once I'd struggled through this programme, and struggle I did, I felt unleashed. I bought more trainers. I invested in good leggings, which didn't fall down slowly as I jiggled. I bought numerous key holders and belts so that I wouldn't be weighed down with bags as I ran. All of this stuff was just frivolous merchandise, but it was a sign I was looking forward to something. Investing in trainers and water bottles was a silent promise to myself that I wouldn't stop and that I'd acknowledge the good it was doing me. If I could have written any book in history, I think it would be Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. If I could be any character in a book, it would be Hermione from Harry Potter. And if I could only read one book for the rest of my life, it would be Short Stories in Spanish by John R. King. Now that would be a challenge. Thank you very much, Hannah Cox. There you are. Lots of love for Harry Potter out there, uh, which is always a good thing. Thank you so much for listening to the Magic Book Club Recommends. My name's Tom Price. Tune in next time to hear more of your favourite presenters tell us about their all-time favourite books. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.